permission to come aboard. Suicide Squadcast. This is the DC Universe podcast where we discuss the DC Extended Universe movies and TV shows. Yeah, that's right. We're all big fans of what DC Comics is doing on the big end of small screens, and we want to make sure we talk all about it. So thanks for joining us tonight. Let's get started. My name is Scott. And I am Tim, and we are the Suicide Squadcast with a guest, a plus one. Who is it this time, Scott? Uh, We have Ross Flowers with us tonight. Ross, say hi. Hey, everybody. (laughs) Hey, Ross. So we finally have you on here. You've been around a long time. You've been around long enough to have actually been one of our trade paperback winners from our iTunes review days. Yeah. Yeah, it was a while ago. I'm trying to remember what did what did you what did you end up picking? It was a uh, the Mad Love comic for uh the Harley Quinn one. Yeah. There's only there's only one Mad Love Tim. It's not like you had to qualify that statement. <laughs> I was I was helping him along. I know he was he was trying to remember exactly what it was. No, that's awesome though. That's awesome. I I still remember it because I mean, quite honestly, your name is kind of memorable. So, but yeah, I remember uh I, I think you actually reached out to us and said, hey, can you give me some uh, suggestions, right? Right, because, I mean, I'm not that big of an avid, like, comic reader. So, I mean, I was just looking for some suggestions. And I think that was right after uh, Suicide Squad. So, I, was, I liked those characters in it. So, I was like, you know, some suggestions. Yeah, and I think I think even I was like, this is the one you want. Yeah. So, like, it's <laughs> like, stop. Do not pass go. Do not collect <laughs> $200. Get mad love. I mean, there's a lot of uh, Harley Quinn trade paperbacks that you could make a really bad decision with. <laughs> there's, some, there's some Harley Quinn stories that just are not that good. Mad Love is not one of those. No, no. No, Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, I mean, welcome to the show, and thanks again for all your support, and uh, we're happy to have you on here. And I think this might be our last guest for a while. We've kind of gotten through the whole lot of them. We got through most of them, yeah. We're still waiting on Philip. Yep. Philip, Philip, seriously, dude, Philip. You're the last one. You're the last one for a while. We still, we've got some others who are still working their way there, but we finally have, Ross, you, you and, until Philip decides to contact us, you get the honor of being our last Patreon guest for a for a good while now yeah. before we uh, we get a next a next round of people who have earned the earned their right to be on the show. I'm honored. Well, I mean the the levels are going to be a little bit different next time around, so we're we're kind of working through that right now. So this was the, this was kind of the warm up act. <laughs> so all right. Well, speaking of kind of Patreon, if you guys would like to help support us, like uh, like Ross here, uh, we would encourage you to go out to www.patreon.com/squadcastmedia and at a five dollar a month level, you get all kinds of tons tons of added content. Oh yeah, absolutely. Our movie Squadcast reviews, uh, other special things we do. I did a comics review with Dave from DC on Screen talking about Daredevil Born Again. And Chris and Jordan from the DC Comics Squadcast did a Halloween special. That was kind of fun. Yeah. So, it, and we are still, really, what we're, no, let's be honest, we're waiting on Tim to finally schedule when <laughs> we're going to record our, our Ben Affleck Daredevil review for the next movie Squadcast. Waiting, Tim. Yep. Waiting. Well, you, know, you know my situation right now. So, but yeah, that is the next one up. And I I think we're just going to have to put it down and say, yeah, we're going to go ahead and get this done. So I would say, why don't we shoot for maybe not Tuesday, but the week after, a week from this Tuesday. Okay. We'll talk to Ray and we'll get together. We'll talk together and see if we can get uh, an agreement on a date. But I'm I'm looking forward to that one because I've never seen a director's cut of Daredevil.
Club. What? You haven't? No, I haven't. I don't think I knew this. No, I well, I mean, I saw I saw Daredevil originally, like in the theaters, and I've seen it on TV. But like, you know, once a director's cut has come out, like I I haven't seen it. I mean, I picked it up digitally, right? But I haven't watched it yet, so I've been kind of waiting for this. Well, like Ray says, everything's better with Coolio. Just saying. <laughs> that is true. That is true. <laughs> oh man, um, tell us about the other shows, Scott. Well, of course, I I think I pretty much mentioned them at this point. But you know, Chris and Jordan over there in DC Comics Squadcast, keeping Tim up to date on what's going on in the comics these days. And by the way, they are getting really close to episode 100. Oh my goodness. You probably don't know that, Scott. I don't actually know that, to they're be getting, honest with you. They're actually getting really close. So. <laughs> oh my goodness. It's, well, good for those guys. Yeah. And then, of course, we have Fans Without Borders and DC TV Squadcast with Britt and Ray uh, talking about all things geekdom on Fans Without Borders. And they have finally branched out and they're talking about anything and everything DC TV right now. Those episodes have gotten a whole lot longer all of a sudden. <laughs> yes, uh, they bit off more than they could chew. They're, they're getting the food down. No, they didn't. They bit off. They're chewing it just fine. You don't listen. How would you know? I, I listen every now and then. And if they have to swallow the food whole, they do it. So Okay. They, they get it down. <laughs> well, that's all the shows on this wonderful network at SuicideSquadcast.com. So now we got all that out of the way. Let's, let's, let's not keep Ross waiting any longer. Let's talk about the news. Yes. And I'm curious. Ross, what's your excitement level for Aquaman? More than pumped, I am ecstatic about this film. Yeah, I mean, what's what's your what's your history with Aquaman? I mean, do you know just generally the character from the films or from like any other media? I mean, do you, do you know him as the one kind of writing on the back of Portis's? Really, just the film. I mean, I read like the opening, uh, whatever you call it for like the the rebirth. Like they had like that one opening for like each individual character. Yeah. Oh, the one shots. Yeah, yeah, the one shots. I mean, I read that, but that's the only comic. I've ever read for Aquaman, so I wouldn't really say I've read his stories. Ooh. Oh, there's some good runs out there. Peter David. Peter David, Jeff Johns. Yeah. Those are those are those are the big ones when we talk about Aquaman. The nineties Peter David and the New 52 Jeff Johns runs. Those are ones to those are ones to go pick up. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to pick up some trade paperbacks, there's some really good ones there. Okay. But in terms of the in terms of the film, you're you're pretty excited about it. what what what's exciting you the most about this? The most. Um I mean, it's, I don't know. I mean, it, it looks amazing. And I love uh, James Wan. I mean, from everything that he's done, I just know, I mean, from his horror films, uh, and I think he did one of the Fast and Furious movies. I can't remember. Yeah, I think in seven. But just everything he's done. Was it the seven? Yeah. I just, I, I just know when, with him behind the wheel, I, I know I'm going to like it just based off his previous stuff. Yeah. So you've seen the Conjuring films? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Those are pretty good. And, and I think, Scott, I haven't sent out a tweet in quite a while about how many days it's been since the film is premiered and you have not watched it <laughs> you can you can keep on counting you just keep on counting you can sir i'm gonna i'm gonna tag i'm gonna tag james wan on again see if i can get a reaction <laughs> <laughs> the man's busy right now he's, don't bother the poor man not, actually he's not like he's done they're done it is the post-production is complete yeah well he's got he's got a marketing campaign to start revving <laughs> up for so don't you bother that poor man with your shenanigans <laughs> that is true speaking of the marketing speaking of the marketing yeah speaking of marketing um there were some pretty posters that just came out this week and i like it like so i, I was going to comment and now we're kind of talking about something that we're looking at in our notes here but like uh, i think is how many posters is it like one, one two, two three four, three, four. Five, six, seven seven posters so they're character posters and usually we get a lot of these with a lot of the dc films now um um, so we you know, get Arthur Curry, Black Manta, King Nereus, Orm, we got Mira, Atlanta, and then finally Volko, which is actually, is this our first 
good look at Vogel. This is our first good look at him. Yes, yeah. absolutely. I keep on forgetting Willem Dafoe's in this movie. I really do. <laughs> was has, was he in any of the trailers? No, he's not. There, there's a there's a scene in one trailer where you could go. Okay, I know that's Dafoe because of story reasons, but you don't actually see Dafoe. Yeah, his face in the trailer. Yeah, and he actually uh, supposedly had filmed something for Justice League for Zack Snyder. He did, suppose, he did film something for Justice yeah. League. Really? We know that. Yeah. So. So. Um. So yeah. See, he was like filmed at some point way back then. So and the decision was made, and, and I don't know. We don't know the whole details behind it, but principally, the decision was made to just take out the um the Aquaman world stuff out of the film, so that it kind of gave James Wan a chance to really kind of build it up the way he wanted, which I think is a, a fairly reasonable uh, request. Um. So we, you know, we're probably not going to see that footage from that. Um. But I, I'm looking at these posters, and I have to kind of say, like, I like the posters, but I can't really tell what I'm looking at. Is this is this in what way? artwork? Is it art? Like, is it art? I mean, it's if it's if it's actual like you know photo images, they're highly highly photoshopped. Like stills. Yeah. So I I can't quite figure out if this is uh if this is like painted art. I, I think it has to be because if you look at the one with Arthur Curry, I mean, it looks like I painted. You know, it looks like painted artwork to me. I don't know some of the some of them more so than others. You know, my my one my only complaint is like the Orm one is like that's a cool shot of Patrick Wilson, but I want to see Ocean Master get up. I want to see. I think that one. Yeah, the King. Yeah, the Orm one was my favorite, and that that he did that same uh, like yell or cry whatever in the uh, latest trailer. I thought. Yes. Yeah. That that one. I think there's some Photoshop slash airbrush slash photo. I think I think the problem is Tim. You want them all to be one thing, and I think it's a combined effort of many different techniques to make these posters. Yeah, I think so. I, I think so because it, it's 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 kind of ambiguous. Like it's not full on art, and it's not you know, but it's got like seemingly real images, you know, image stills that were taken. So it's it's kind of like a little bit of cross in between, which is which is kind of cool. But like I, I kind of miss the Batman v Superman's where we had those little character posters that were were 100 just like images that just had like Photoshop touches on top of them. These look right. like these look a lot more photoshopped, which generally I just don't like so much. But I mean, they they look good. They look good. It's just not. It's it doesn't have like the distinct like uh, realism that I'm usually wanting to see. But I, I think they're I think some of them are really cool looking for sure. I know you really want realism about people who live underwater. I I, I understand, man. It's really mm-hmm. tough on you, and I think you'll go you'll, you'll soldier on. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, are, are you done? Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm done. Okay, Thanks. good, good. Thank good. God. All right. So yeah, so we're getting those posters. Um, so those are pretty cool. Uh, I'll make one of them the cover art for this. Um, did you see that uh, Madame Tussauds statue? Yes. Oh my god. Uh, I mean, I've been to Madame Tussauds in Las Vegas, and okay, you know, some some are some are some are amazing and this one i'm not sure what it would look like in person but just from this photo that's a pretty good wax statue there it really is yeah and uh so and it's and it's actually in the you know the uh, the orange armor costume that we're you know clearly going to be seeing and it seems like they're really kind of going all in with the marketing on that yeah i think once they reveal now that they've revealed it now it's like ah, why hold it back anymore yeah well i think people are going to latch on uh to the orange armor i mean if you talk about people that you know what they know about Aquaman it's generally like a super friends <laughs> Aquaman I mean that's what people tend to think of and and at least you can kind of like mentally connect you know this to the to the like general audience They're like yeah that's the orange armor guy the orange armor guy yeah. <laughs> you think we're joking it's either that or a seahorse let's, yeah, let's be honest that's right <laughs> 
That's true. <laughs> now, I noticed here that we've got someone else reporting that uh, two-hour, 20-minute runtime. Who is the, Who is it this time? I've seen a couple so far, and it looks like uh, one was like at two hours and 19 minutes, and here's another one at two hours and 20 minutes. Well, and that's... But what, but I was kind of curious where this one's coming from, because we saw one from Australia a couple of weeks ago that said that. Yeah. So, because that was the one where somebody used that to say, Warner Brothers is at it again, and James Wan was like, not true. <laughs> I remember that. I remember us talking about that story. That's right, because it was two hours and 20 minutes, and it was rumored to be cut 20 minutes out, the whole two-hour thing. Yeah, so yeah. so it looks like we're, we've seen it a few different times now, two hours and 20 minutes-ish. So I think uh, there's probably a pretty good bet that that's what we're looking at. See, I mean, that is a pretty good runtime, though. Oh, yeah. It's a runtime I prefer. So It, it is. It is for me, too. Like, especially as something that's going to have a lot of characters and a lot of different grand scenes and, like, sets and all that. Like, I, I definitely just want to take in as much as possible. I mean, we've said this before, like, runtime doesn't make it a good or a bad film, but um, if it's if it's, uh, if it's it's a good film, I mean, obviously, you want to see as much as you can. Like, I would have taken, you know, four hours of Batman v Superman if I could. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, as you said, Scott, like, it looks like the tour is starting, uh, so we're we're going to be having, like, all kinds of different events globally for Aquaman. Uh, we've got something towards the end of November over in Beijing, and it's going to be, like, a film footage screening at, at some kind of fan event. Then uh, a short while after that over in London, then New York City early December. Uh, there's going to be something in the Philippines, Los Angeles, and Miami. So there's a there's lot of lot of world traveling here, and I assume James Wan's probably going to be at every one of those. And all I'm going to say is all I see is all these people who are going to be tweeting things that I have to avoid <laughs> on the internet. <laughs> this is when Scott goes dark. Because I won't be able to see it until December 21st. So if you have anything you want to say to Scott right now, just get it in right now because it's it's he's gonna pretty soon be going dark i will be going very very dark this might be like the same level of like deleting the twitter app off my phone for the time <laughs> being which i have done before <laughs> I, this might i do i do not <laughs> threat that lightly <laughs> this might be the darkest you're gonna go online uh, the darkest we've seen you go online since following Justice League. <laughs> but that was for a different reason. <laughs> <laughs> that was called mourning. That was called mourning. Uh, Ross, what do you do? Are you are you pretty spoiler adverse? I, I'm just, I'm pretty, uh, I have some self-control. I can just not open up Twitter. Okay. I mean, I just, yeah. You but also I mean, do you... don't host a podcast with five other hosts and kind of have to interact. That's, that is true. <laughs> we all talk about things, yeah. Well, I mean, and I always like set set videos and pictures and all that. Like, I have no problem looking at those, at those things because I get a ton of enjoyment. Like, you know, I take in those pictures and you finally get to see it in the film. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember those. So I always kind of like seeing it. But, like, normally I've kind of found with Scott, what I'll do is I'll put him in there and I'll either, like, title it with a warning, don't open <laughs> for Scott's benefit or, you know, just make sure I don't post the pictures if it's something that I expect Scott would have a problem with. Just tweet out spoiler <laughs> warning. Everybody tweet at Scott. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say it. Direct message. Yeah. I, like. I didn't say it. And suddenly I, and suddenly my, uh, my, my co-host is going to be on my block list and I'll never hear anything he has to say ever again. <laughs> oh man. So let's move on. to some Shazam here. Shazam. Sh- sh- Shazam. What was that again? What? I beat you to it. I beat you to it. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to do it. So I just jumped in right in there. So we got a post from Zachary Levi, and he says that we're about to make additional photography look real purdy. <laughs> but basically, it's just a quick message saying that, yeah, they're about ready to start filming again, uh, do the additional photography, which we had heard was going to go about two weeks. It looks like it might go a little bit longer, maybe up to a month. So that gives them a lot of time to fill.
film some of these additional scenes. But um, the one thing I did like is a little picture he sent along with it. Uh, it's like a picture of Shazam's belt. Right, because we already heard that the costume was going to be going through some adjustments anyway, yeah, yeah. which I think is part of these reshoots. So Yeah, I think so. What were they uh, changing about the costume? Oh, great question. Uh, well, uh, we reported a couple of weeks ago that Sandberg admitted that the costume didn't look as great in daylight shots that he wanted because he made some fabric decisions late in the game. And so they they basically learned through principal photography that they were making adjustments to the costume during filming. And so that's probably caused them to go back and have to refilm stuff for continuity's sake to make sure that the costume stays consistent. And like you said, that it looks good in daylight shots as opposed to the nighttime shots. Okay. Yeah, and you even saw it. I, I don't know if you've seen some of the earliest pictures, the set photos that came out. The costume, and these were like daylight shots, and the costume was kind of a, like a bright red. And uh, and we've seen kind of like through time that it's it's become like a darker red, which I, I which I think is just going to look better. And uh, certainly this image that Zachary Levi sent out here, it, it's clearly like a darker red with the costume. So it, it looks good. I mean, it's got the same kind of texture with the costume that we had like with the, you know, the Superman Man of Steel costume. And but like even the gold, like it, it looks like a tarnished gold. So I, I think the, the colors look really good on it. So I, I would uh, agree with Scott. It's probably what they're doing because I think, you know, David Sandberg was even saying like during filming, they were literally changing the boots on the costume because they were having trouble with the boots that they had were falling apart. And some of the set photos that we had showed the boots were being that boots look completely different <laughs> from one shot to another. OK, yeah. Uh, who was it that said like they're uh, they're upping the budget for the reshoots, too? Well, that's just because they're taking longer. Like originally it was supposed to be like two weeks of reshoots. And now they've set the wrap date for December 22nd. And that, of course, you know, longer reshoot period means, you know, you need more money to get it done. Right. Gotcha. Yeah. I, the only thing that's kind of disappointing about it for me is like Zachary Levi's unwillingness to shave off his beard. So, I mean, that's going to be a little bit problematic for him, I think, <laughs> for these reshoots. <laughs> King beard. King beard. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah, I mean, it's pretty standard fare with a lot of these blockbuster films that, you know, there's always a period where they go back and do some reshoots. I mean, part of the process of a filmmaker is, you know, you you get everything on film and you start piecing it together like an assembly cut. And at that point in time, it's quite often they kind of realize some things that felt like they were kind of missing for continuity. And so there could be additional photography just to capture some of that stuff, or it could be actually be go back to, to fix some things that, you know, maybe didn't come out quite the way they wanted it. Or it could be to add, you know, some additional scenes like Flash falling into Wonder Woman, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on. Okay, so there was this uh, pretty kind of in-depth uh, interview with Christina Hodson that was in the LA Times, and I was kind of digging through it and just trying to see, ooh, what can we find out? Because, you know, she wrote that Bumblebee movie that's coming out um, right now the same day as Aquaman, which yeah. the trailers actually look good. Like, they look Gen 1 Transformers. I'm actually going to probably check this one out. I've kind of pieced out the last two Transformers movies, to be honest with you. And so in this, they were talking about some of her personal history and you know her favorite films growing up she does mention Terminator 2 as an all-time favorite of hers so she has taste I will say that yeah uh, she does mention that Margot Robbie is an amazing producer that she's dedicated and cares so much and uh, what's this I am a, okay here's an interesting I am all about finding good people you believe in as human beings as well as being good creative partners and producers because it's an investment writing these movies takes it out of you I, and she also said I'm just I'm also just excited that Kathy 
Marianne is a woman and she's Asian, that's a big deal. Of course, um, Christina Hodson herself is half Taiwanese, so yeah. there's a connection there. So Yeah, I mean, half Taiwanese. She actually was born and raised, I think, in London. So Yes, she was. Yeah. Yes. Which is actually kind of cool. And I and we've talked about this before, you know, me being like, you know, half Asian as well. Uh, I've always like had that relationship or like, you know, wanting to see, you know, see like a lot more representation that I could, you know, identify with. So, I mean, this the stuff that she's saying here is like, uh, there's certainly a ton of people out there that kind of feel that same way. So and it all goes back to the the power of like just adding in some diversity to these films. And we, and we had talked about it with Suicide Squad. That was like one of the things that made it pretty successful was it was highly diverse. She also talked a lot about what she liked about Harley Quinn. And she said, I just fell in love with Harley. She makes me laugh, but she also makes me cry. She talked about how Harley has emotional depth and can contrast with uh, the fun exterior. And um, she said that makes her so interesting and so much more real because that's what people are like in real life. So that was kind of that. But then she also kind of hinted at, you know, because she's also supposed to be writing Batgirl. Yeah. I mean, she's writing Birds of Prey, but she's also supposed to be writing Batgirl. And they at the LA Times asked her what you can share about working on Batgirl. And she said, basically nothing <laughs> other than I'm really excited because she's Batgirl. And she's all the things I love about Batman. But here was the one part we I felt like we could kind of latch on to. It says, I've always been more interested in humans than supernatural things and monsters. People are capable of profound good, but also profound evil. The things that people will do when you back them into a corner are amazing, terrifying, and wonderful at the same time. And it draws out these primal things in us, good and bad. And that, to me, is so fascinating. So I'm just like, where are you going? Yeah. What is this story going to be? Right. Yeah. And these were and these were comments that she was making, you know, basically when she was answering a question about, you know, what can she say, share about Batgirl? So it, it seems like there's, I took that as kind of like, that's a hint. Like there's a little bit hint about where, maybe where her mindset's at with the story. So, so I'm, I'm intrigued. Like, you know, is she talking about profound evil of, you know, the antagonist in the film? Or is she maybe even hinting that even people that are good, like Batman or Batgirl, like, you know, is there, is there like this, this, I wouldn't say evil side, but is this like, is there the struggle that she's going to kind of bring to light? So it's, it's, I'm fascinated. The, the other thing she went on to talk about, she says, you know, every project that, uh, you know, she's written so far has been female driven. And, you know, of course she talked about, you know, Terminator 2 going back to Sarah Connor, uh, such a strong character. So the question was asked is, you know, is it a priority for her to, to center female leads in her stories? And she goes on and she said, you know, when she grew up, she was watching all these different Hollywood movies and the heroes were just these straight white men always. And, you know, she wanted to be the archaeologist digging up that big thing and running away from that round boulder, <laughs> like Indiana Jones. And she goes, she goes, I want to have those big adventures. And I never got to see it. And she goes, certainly as a mixed race kid, I never got to see it. So I can't help but want to fix that. And I can't help but want all of my leads to be female. So, I mean, she's the right writer to be working on Batgirl uh, and Birds of Prey for sure. Yeah. And then uh, finally, the last thing is she was, you know, she was asked, like, how much do you think about the impact of your characters might have on young girls and boys that haven't traditionally seen themselves reflected on screen? And she says, I hope it has an impact. I hope that the girls will watch Bumblebee and go, I can do something that's not one of these four boxes. I can do something in the middle and I can have a big adventure. She goes, it bums me out that it's always the boy or the man that goes on the adventure and has a story. And the girl's the one that comes along for the ride, if they're lucky. I wanted a girl behind the steering wheel, literally. That's cool. I'm excited, man. I'm excited. She's an impressive, uh, if you ever listen to her, if you ever get a chance to listen to Christina Hotson in an interview or like, there's a great podcast, and I think on script notes, go check it out. Uh, she's very fascinating to listen to. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm about to have a daughter here in a few months, and I know, I hope that she can grow up to see more movies like that, you know, that, that she knows that she can, you know, be empowered by watching these kind of movies and watches, watching these women 
women just be badass, you yeah, know? For sure. Yeah, I'm the same way. I, you know, I, and I've kind of talked about this before. I've got a daughter, and you know, once I became a father of a daughter, and especially, you know, as as I see my little girl start to grow up, like I am so much more conscious of that. And so, like, I do everything I can to just try to make sure that she feels empowered, that she doesn't feel limited, that you know, anything she wants in life, she can go for. Um, she's she's like getting into like filmmaking right now, which is pretty exciting for me. Oh wow! I have two boys. I have nothing to contribute to this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just the boys. Well, let's move on to some TV news, which is kind of fun because we got all kinds of Watchmen news from HBO uh, this week. Now, it's weird that like there was a Deadline article talking about Jeremy Irons being cast, but we already knew that, right? Like, don't am I am I crazy here? We already knew Jeremy Irons was going to be in this show, so I was trying to understand the deal about Deadline reporting that because the yeah. the real news was that Slash Film was re- was reporting that they have sources that claim that he's going to be playing an older Ozymandias in the show, which if that turns out to be true, that's freaking <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if I want him in as playing any role in Watchmen, it's that. Like, that's the role I want him in. And that is stinking fascinating. I'm so excited for this show. Are you really? I'm, I'm, I, was... I, I really am, yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, you were, you're a fan of you're a fan of uh, Snyder's film, right? Oh, yeah, of course. They, uh, the ultimate cut. Yeah. Have you read the original graphic novel by Alan Moore? Yes, and actually, just recently, for the first time, I had, the first time I uh, had like anything to do with Watchmen was Zack Snyder's movie, and then a few a few months ago, I got it as a present from a friend, and yeah, I just finished it like three weeks ago for the first time. So, oh, can you imagine reading that again for the first time, Scott? I, I, mm, wow, those were the days. Yeah, and I've talked about my experience reading Watchmen. I literally read it as it was coming out when it was first published originally, and so it took me. A, it took it went over a period of like a year <laughs> to to get through that uh, to that twelve issue series, and uh, I just remember like I just could like I could barely contain myself waiting from month to month to get that next installment. And isn't DC doing uh like a Doomsday Clock? With I haven't read anything with them, but I know that has to do something with Watchmen. Yeah, it's the Watchmen coming into the it, it's it's all tied into the Rebirth story. They're like on issue what they're up to issue nine now of a twelve issue series by Jeff Johns and uh, Gary Frank, where basically the Watchmen the Watchmen are able to travel into the DC universe proper and okay. seeing those world it's all connected into the the mystery that's been hinted at since the DC Rebirth special back in 2015 yeah which by the way was one of the most intense and and exciting like sequences in a comic book uh, that I've read in a long long time you know when so, yeah. when Batman when Batman found the Watchmen button the smiley face yes. button in his cave I was like wow that was just like two worlds you never ever ever expected to collide so we've also got Gene Smart has been cast as an FBI agent named Blake who of course all of us comic book nerds are like twisting our heads going is she somehow related to Edward Blake aka the comedian Mm -hmm. so that would be interesting because this is supposed to be taking place like there's in modern like quote modern times you know after decades after the story in 1980 that alternate 1985 so there's that they've also got James Wolk uh, who's been tapped for a major recurring role in Watchmen. Uh, but the the main deal is the fact that all these people are being cast and 
any anything that we're hearing about the roles they're playing is complete speculation or inside sources because when we hear these people are being cast for the show no details are officially being revealed about who any of these people are playing yeah yeah i mean warner brothers being very very tight-lipped about this thing i mean hbo right so they're being very tight-lipped but these were the first set pictures i remember seeing so we're, we're getting some different uh set photos and i think do you do you remember offhand where this is being filmed uh no, I do not. Even though it's a it's a Brazil fan site that you know is releasing them, but I, I love the American Hero story. You know, it's yeah, the Hooded Justice one. Yeah, the Hooded Justice one. You know, they've they've apparently are doing like a a profile series on all the Minutemen, and that's awesome. Is it uh Tulsa, Oklahoma? If you look on the door on the cop car, it says, and then if you look on the uh the top of the paper, it says the Tulsa Sun, and under it says Tulsa, Oklahoma. Yeah, I think it's set in Tulsa, Oklahoma, but uh, there's a phone number in the background, and it's a 404, which I recognize as being like Atlanta. Oh, so okay. I, so they're probably actually filming us in Atlanta, the same place they do Walking Dead. And I mean, there's a lot of uh, filming going on in that part of the country now. Oh, okay. Yeah, there is. And uh, and the, there's a Keen to announce run for president. and Which, of course, was from the Keen Act, right? Exactly. So I assume that this is like a, a legacy character. Uh, they talk about on one of these newspapers, they talk about Squidfall, um, which <laughs> there's several references to Squidfall, uh, which of course means that this series is definitely going to be taking more continuity from the comic when it comes to when it comes to the squid. So I think that's very interesting. Mm-hmm. There's another one that talks about Denver to vote on masked cops. So just interesting little hints about how much of the world is like moving forward and where where these stories are going to be born out of what happened in Watchmen. Yeah, when I kind of found the uh, the headline in the story uh, in the New York Times headline, Denver to vote on mass cops, it gives some context of that first image we got, uh, which it was a new character. At least we thought it was like a new character. It showed, and this actually came from the production itself, and it was um, somebody in a police you know uniform, but they were wearing this yellow mask of some sort. And so it it, it seems like there's something to that. You know, is this kind of a response that now? Uh, because of these mass heroes we're seeing cops put on masks so it's, it's kind of an interesting potential angle there I mean it, it's Damon Lindelof it's HBO I'm watching this show oh, of course, so it's of just, course yeah I'm just I just I just need a, I just need a premiere date now come on, come on yeah. give me give me a show to watch give me a show to watch so I'm looking excited but then I think the only thing left to talk about now really is DC Universe stuff we got a lot of casting for Swamp Thing yeah I think production on this show is really about to start ramping up because really we got some major roles cast, at least if you know your Swamp Thing mythology. Uh, first off, we heard that Hen- Henderson Wade, who is from Riverdale and Extant, has been cast as Matt Cable, who, you know, is a is a major character from the Swamp Thing books. Mm-hmm. Um, in this show, he's going to be a Louisiana lawman, even though in the original uh, comics, he was a, a, he was a federal agent. So, but, you know, we had already had uh, a casting earlier about Sheriff uh, Lucilia Cable, who was going to be Matt Cable's mom. So obviously this must be involved in flashbacks yeah. because we are going to have a grown-up Matt Cable, I'm assuming, in the present day dealing with Abby Arcane. Because I also think like in Alan Moore's run or uh, before they got married... 
if I remember correctly. Yeah, it's been a long time since I've gone through it. Well, and then we also got the casting news about Andy Bean and, and Derek Mears, which we had heard Derek Mears before. Yes, we have. He, he'll be the, he will be Swamp Thing. Yep. Like the man in the suit. Yep. And Andy Bean will actually be playing, uh, you know, Alec Holland before he becomes Swamp Thing. So, but yeah, I mean, it's, this is kind of exciting, man. Like, so if you kind of look at timing wise, you know, this is kind of the next thing to fall in line after Doom Patrol. And uh, so this is, this is exciting to hear it. I am so so intrigued by this show. I, I'm going to make sure that I actually finish wrapping up reading the... Al- I've read a lot of the original Lynn Wein stuff, but I really need to dig into the Alan Moore run before this show comes out. Yeah, for sure. What shows are you guys most excited for after Titans? Personally, I have been dying for Young Justice Season 3. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm going to be honest. When they announced... They, they, DC Universe had my money when they said that Young Justice Season 3 was coming out. I mean, it was like, I don't know what else you're putting on the service, but if I can see more Young Justice, you have my money. Yeah. <laughs> so, but but I am very jazzed for this Swamp Thing show. I really like what they're doing with it. And I'm intrigued by the Doom Patrol show after seeing that Doom Patrol episode last week on Titans. So, you know, it, really all the, con- just give me all the content. Give it all to me. I will, uh, I will <laughs> watch all of it. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty much excited for everything. Uh, you know, even like the Harley Quinn show, like, like Scott said, the Young justice you know season three uh you know i, I enjoyed the the show when the first two seasons before they uh, took it off the air um but swamp thing is one that i just i've always wanted to see you know just kind of a, like a really dark take and i i feel like you know based on what we saw with titans here like we should fully expect to see a pretty dark take on this thing and i just i think it's got a ton of potential it's just a character that i've always enjoyed even you know the len ween all the way back to the len ween swamp thing i used to love uh the stories he you know it was Bernie Wrightson was the artist and he used to make these great um, giant splash page panels or like the giant, you know, single panel, take up the entire page. And there were just such a lot of great pieces of artwork that went with it. And it just, I've always been kind of drawn to that. And so, so I'm kind of excited about that one as well. And I know Tim, that you're just hoping that it could just be as good as the Wes Craven film. And I know that's just, that's the bar you've set for yourself and you just cannot wait for it. Is that right? <laughs> All I could say is if it does not exceed the West Craven Swamp thing. I am gonna be so. I will cancel DC Universe if it does not exceed that. <laughs> DC Universe will be dead to me at that point. No, it, it's. Uh, I, I'm excited. I'm excited for it, and I'm and I'm glad they're not shoehorning it into the Titans universe because that was kind of like one of the thoughts. Like, is this gonna be like an all you know interlinked continuity, which you can kind of fall into the trap. And uh, you know, I'm one that like I enjoy that when you link the shows together, but like these are so different. I don't want them having to compromise the world that's being set up in Titans just so that you could have like a Swamp Thing character in there. And I wouldn't want it vice versa as well. Like I want a Swamp Thing character just to be dealing with, you know, just that world, just that region. I wonder how Brent's reacting to that. Yeah, he's he's not reacting well. <laughs> I can tell you that. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, yeah, so do you want Swamp Thing to be part of any of the other shows, Scott, Ross? I ask both of you guys. Well, it doesn't really matter to me. I mean, I feel like that just kind of like the DC universe you can put this in its own little corner where they can be in the same world and, you know, they don't have to interact. You know, it's, I, I think it doesn't matter one way or the other. Yeah. I mean, they don't have to, I mean, but at the same time, I love it when they do interact with each other. Like, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I just like shared universes. You know, in the past, we've had so many movies, you know, just standalones and then more and more, you know, then we 
go up to you know like trilogies you know a couple movies like here and there but then now then we get into the dceu the mcu and then you know like shared universes on television it's just i feel like that's more popular right now and i feel like that's just well personally that's what i like more but just overall i just feel like that's where everybody's going towards yeah i mean i think there's value with both like i i think there's a value with a shared universe you know like when it comes to the dc films like i do want them to all be connected but i don't want them to be overly connected and and i think that seems to be the way warner brothers is going like i don't want like a television structure yeah well i mean i don't i don't want uh, the story that patty jenkins wants to tell with wonder woman 19 I don't want it to have to like really be dictated because of this larger narrative that they're trying to paint in the connected universe. Like I like having a separation, but at the same time, uh, you know, I like the fact that like they're part of the same universe and they can interact, but they don't have to interact. Like, I, so that's, I, you know, I really like that part of it. Just like with um, Shazam, you know, it's going to be a much different film as far as I can tell in terms of like, you know, um, the lightness of it compared to like, you know, what we've seen with like, Batman v Superman or, you know, Man of Steel, you know, possibly even Wonder Woman, it, Suicide Squad. It's going to be quite a bit different, but at the same time, like you know, they completely linked it to Man of Steel, which which I just thought was like awesome. When I saw that image come out, and mm-hmm. it showed that Time Magazine image, and it showed like um, it showed like the uh, the Black Zero uh, on the cover, I'm like, oh. Thank you so much. Like I just wanted that, and so right. so I I like those kind of nods, but I don't I don't it doesn't have to go beyond that for me. And the one other thing I would say too is if you want to just take a look at the DCCW shows, like you know I do like the fact that they're kind of that they're connected. You know, um, the Flash show and the Arrow show, um, even Legends of Tomorrow. But what I don't like is when you take a character like Constantine and shoehorn him into a place that really that character just shouldn't be. <laughs> so like I would like to see like a character like Constantine not be put on like the CW shows but rather like i you know i hope they put a constantine show out there for uh the dc universe right doesn't um constantine interact with the swamp thing in the comics oh yeah yeah i mean that's where john constantine first originated it was like i think alan moore's run like issue number 19 or 21 somewhere in there like it was it was early on in the run that was that's the first appearance of john constantine really yeah i mean i don't know much about him yeah I know, uh, I saw that animated movie last year, the, uh, Justice League Dark. Oh, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, so. That's about the extent of my knowledge about them. Yep. Yeah, I mean, so that's kind of where I'm at with this stuff. All right, so now let's talk about Season 1, Episode 5 of Titans, titled Together. So, high-level thoughts, Tim. Go. Yeah, high-level thoughts for me. Now, um, like, it's, it's, it seems like it's taken a while for them to start to bring these characters together. And actually, this was the first time we actually saw them brought together, and I, and I feel like it really works because, you know, you got a chance to kind of develop these characters individually and you finally get them together. And so I I enjoyed the fact that they took their time to make us believe that these characters were kind of, they're intersecting, their storylines were intersecting and, and eventually led together to be a team. And they had their little first training session. Uh, I did want more out of it. Like I wanted, I wanted like some of the stuff we saw from the comics with like them out in the woods and, you know, doing mock battles against each other. This was just them kind of showing their powers and that was basically it so I'm, I'm hoping that we get a lot more of the like the training exercise but it was kind of fun to finally see them start to come together and realize that you know they kind of need to work together as a team on this so i'm i'm intrigued i'm intrigued by how this is slowly being pieced together and you know i'm, I'm just really curious about how much more we're going to see of like the new antagonist because of like the demise that we saw of the family in this one well for me this was the first episode of the show that i felt like felt like a superhero show no still 
still still with Titan's tone, still with Titan's sensibility, but because the team has finally come together and 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 I really felt it in the fight scene at the motel. Yeah. That was the that was the one that was like, "Okay, this feels like a superhero TV show now." You know, it doesn't it it wasn't overly dark like the first episode was or maybe even the second episode. And then you get into like the third fourth episodes that really didn't feel superhero-y at all because there were like no fight scenes or anything. So by the time, you know, Dick finally puts on the Robin costume and throws some smoke bombs, you know, I, I'm sorry, I, the Teen Titans go song just like, boom, with the smoke bombs and put a ring. like, you know, that's just, when he, <laughs> when he had the Robin moment in the parking lot, you know, and, and, and even with Raven jumping in and actually being able to control her shadow self to attack uh, the nuclear family, it, it, it just felt like, oh, the team finally came kind of together in that moment. And that was the scene that made me go, sweet. Okay. I see where this show is leading towards. Cause you know, we're almost halfway through the season already. Right. Yeah. And you know, the, the training session in the barn just felt kind of cliche wrote, you know, kind of superhero stuff. It, it wasn't anything to write home about. It was that fight scene in the motel. Yeah. That was like, yes. Yeah. That was the big payoff. That was the big payoff. I liked the relationships. Uh, you know, since Dick and Starfire do have a, I mean, they even get married in the comics at one point. You know, I liked the beginning of that relationship. I don't know about a relationship in the comics between Starf, uh, not Starfire, a Raven and Beast Boy. I do know that Teen Titans Go likes to play off that for. Oh, that's that's from the comics. Okay, good. I'm just, oh, yeah. I'm just making sure. Like I said, I haven't made it that far yet to know the, you know, to know the uh, comic accuracy of that relationship, but I like it. Yeah. This episode, I felt like really allowed Ryan Potter as Gar to really come into his own, and I really liked him. Like, I, I found him very endearing in this episode, especially that scene he has with Rachel talking about what does it feel like when he transforms. Right. I thought that was a really good scene for him. Well, and I, I like the thing where he kind of realized that Dick Grayson was Robin, and he was just kind of like, like oh, oh, are we going to get to meet Batman? <laughs> and I love his, no. And then being genuinely disappointed when he was realizing that, like, no, you're not going to see Batman. <laughs> So I like that. I I did like the I the nuclear family ended up getting explained the thought I way the way I thought it was going to get explained. Right. That they are just they're they're brainwashed enhanced humans. Yeah. You know, they're not androids. But it was interesting that we finally we finally got a definitive explanation about what they are right before Dr. Adamson pulled an Amanda Waller. <laughs> right. Which was kinda awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and I did enjoy I did enjoy Starfire walking going <laughs> Dick's gonna think I did this <laughs> right <laughs> Oh, yeah, it was uh, it took a turn that I wasn't quite expecting. Like, I kind of felt like, you know, they really were going to go all in with this nuclear family. And it, and I think they're probably gone now at this point. Oh, yeah. I, I think now they're introducing the nuclear. F- but you got to think they spent like a good three episodes on the nuclear family. They Who did. would have thought the nuclear family would have been there <laughs> for like half the season. But I was enjoying them. Like, I wanted I wanted more of them, actually. I just I, once again, I will compliment the show. They 
they made me interested in the nuclear family. Let's <laughs> right. be honest here. <laughs> yeah. Um, I liked when Dick went off on his own to Chicago to, a conf- to confront Dr. Adamson. The twist at the end, I will admit, I didn't see coming. I, I knew what the, by the time I started watching the episode, I knew what the next episode of the show was going to be, but I didn't realize that they were going to tease it at the end of this episode. Right, yeah. And of course, I'm talking about the fact of at the end of the episode, when when Dick is fighting a whole bunch of SWAT, you know, uh, special ops SWAT people, uh, a smoke bomb explodes and another Robin shows up. And of course, <laughs> we know that this is Jason Todd. I thought it was awesome that they kind of set up Jason Todd at the end of this episode, quite organically, I might say, to lead into the next episode, which is actually called Jason Todd. Right. Like, it's The next episode is all about Dick and Jason. So I like, that's one thing this show does really well is it organically moves you into the next episode. Yeah. And it, it works out well. It still makes the Doom Patrol episode feel like it kind of stands out to me as opposed to all the other episodes, but I'm not going to knock it. I mean, this show is still, this show is still clicking on all cylinders for me. Yeah, I, um, I, I do have one little gripe about this episode. Of course you do. I didn't want... Yeah, of course you do. I'm not allowed to have gripes? <laughs> no, no, not at all. Okay. Uh, I didn't want the Starfire and Dick Grayson thing to happen as quickly as it did. Like, I want, I wanted that to develop longer because I felt like it didn't really have enough time to really develop before they kind of hooked up. Um, so that was the one gripe I had. Uh, I will say this, though. I think the Jason Todd portrayal, and I can't remember the actor's name, but like it was spot on. Yeah, I mean, it was spot on from um, that type of Robin that we actually saw from the comics when Jason Todd was first introduced. So I liked it. I liked that. Uh, I mean, like, there's going to be there's going to be this this interesting dynamic between Jason Todd and Dick Grayson because you know obviously Dick Grayson you know is trying to separate himself from what he was becoming with uh, with Batman and you could see now there's this other character that's probably going down that same path and and is just a different personality so I it's gonna it's gonna kind of be fun to watch and I hope they don't I hope they don't resolve it like I hope I hope the Jason Todd character goes on for like you know a season or two before they start to progress that story even further like I would like this to be a long development to eventually get to you know what I hope to be like a Red Hood storyline yeah but I I hope the show goes long enough for that to happen yeah because you have to admit though this this Jason, this Jason actor looks uh, pretty young. Yeah. So he's got he's got some growing up to do first before before we get to any kind of Red Hood story. So yeah, but I mean, let's be clear. I mean, when Red Hood, you know, finally debuted, like it was a much older Robin. So like they could do. I mean, depending on how they, if they were to kind of like do the same type of storyline from the comics, like they could just choose a different actor at that point. That's true. That is true. Um, speaking, I do want to address your gripe though about Starfire and Dick hooking up. Um, I can completely buy it from Starfire's point of view because she knew what she was doing. The only the only part that could possibly just kind of rub me the wrong way is how Dick just went with it. Uh, but uh, but you know it's TV people. It's young pretty people hooking up. It's what TV does. <laughs> so it's not CW young pretty people hooking up. It is not CW young people pretty. That's that is very very true. So there wasn't some cheesy pop song playing in the no. background while they were <laughs> no. getting it on. So. That. <laughs> definitely felt different. <laughs> oh man! So I, okay, so we've had we've basically silenced Ross here for a little bit. <laughs> well, somebody needs to start paying his 
his DC Universe fees. That's all I have to say. So. Yes. Yeah. Time for you to sign up. I'm waiting. <laughs> you want that Netflix model where they just all drop at once? I do. I'm going to wait till they all, yeah, the season's done so I can just get my seven day free trial and just watch them all at once. Now, have you at least, like, have you seen some of the costumes and all that? Like, you've seen some of the promo materials? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, uh, it's all the trailers and, right. I mean, all that good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. They're doing top notch with the costumes. Uh, you know, it's the, the actual, but what's kind of funny is the Teen Titan characters or Teen Titans, just the Titans characters, aside from Robin, uh, they haven't really shown their costumes yet. They they hint at them. Like, I think the one that kind of comes closest to be Ryan Potter's Beast Boy costume probably looks the most similar okay. to the comic costume. But like, you know, and it's certainly Starfire is like still in that disco <laughs> outfit that she was wearing when she got in that car accident from episode one. Mm-hmm. So they, they kind of hint at it. So you kind of get this like little mental attachment to these characters. But mm-hmm. I'm really looking forward to seeing what they actually come up with them or uh, for them eventually because like the like I the other characters we saw Hawk and Dove like I've I loved their costumes uh, they were just especially like Hawk I thought Hawk's costume was fantastic so I'm really kind of looking forward to seeing what they eventually pull off with these characters so, like with Titans uh like I'm not familiar like with budget like versus like the CW like how is like the animation and uh, uh, like the uh, CGI I mean and versus like the CW uh it's no better in okay uh, there's not a whole lot of CGI at this point um you know you'll get you'll get the little black cloud or whatever that is from Raven which is okay uh the Sabertooth tiger that you get with Beast Boy or whatever type of tiger it is it's just a tiger Tim tiger okay um it's it's <laughs> not it's not like great animation like it's it's really it, it's fairly noticeable it's TV it's TV CGI TV yeah. CGI. So, so okay it's it's fairly noticeable but um that's the one that really kind of stands out they don't they don't use a whole lot of CGI. Thankfully. I think they're smart. They're being smart about that. It, the, the one time I really griped about it was, uh, I think it was episode two. Uh, they used a CGI stunt double for a young Dick Grayson that was pretty... Noticeable. It was pretty iffy. It was it was pretty iffy. But they also did it quickly and in the dark. So and you know, so they, they just let that go. The audience won't notice. <laughs> well, I mean, you, you notice it, but it's forgivable. Some audience won't actually so <laughs> some won't yeah. Uh, yeah i think the starfire effects have been pretty good because you know uh anna diop she when she like kind of engages her starfire powers her skin kind of turns orange and she gets a green eyes and you get the a much more like the the reddish fiery look around her so i think that looks pretty mm-hmm. good to me so but yeah it's um i think it's been good so far i i just appreciate the chance to kind of let these characters kind of like build up a story without having to have like the and i don't mean this as a criticism it's just it's a it's a different way of allowing them to kind of build up these characters and tell a story, but like not being like the CW type of interactions they have with the characters. Like, I mean, some of the interactions feel pretty genuine. Like there's like real genuine, like, um, you know, interpersonal moments with some of these characters. And um, so I kind of latch onto that. So Scott, overall, I think it's another, it was another great episode. I mean, for me, it returns back to the arc that I felt was interrupted with the doom patrol episode last week, but it, it, it moved. This episode really moved. Like I was watching it today and I got, I got like 17 minutes left in the episode. And I was like, Oh, well, I only have 17 minutes left. <laughs> like it didn't, it, it was a very, it was not a slow moving episode. Some of the episodes have been slow moving, and I don't mean that as an insult or as a criticism. I just mean it just it, it felt like it took its time more. Well, this episode really picked up the pace, I thought. So I'm once again, but like I am with every episode of Titans, I'm dying for the next week's episode. I'm ready for Jason Todd. It's yeah. like, well, 
come on, douchebag. Let's, let's do what you got. I mean, seriously. The Robin everyone the, the Robin everyone loves to hate so much they voted to kill him. I mean, come on. Let's let's see what you got. And they definitely made him douchebaggy. So so I that's what I liked. I, I actually, you know, I actually liked that the, they kind of went all in with that betrayal. So, so I'm just, I, I'm as always, always waiting for Friday for a new episode of Titan. And they are still being consistent. I've still watched the times and it's still that like 4.30 central time area where the episode goes live. Uh, it was 6 a.m. this morning. Like they even had the counter. Like if you go to the app, it's it, like when I went on at like say 5.30, it, it said 30 minutes. Like it lets you know how soon it's going to debut. Okay. So. So maybe so maybe it's more I've never been there close enough for the counter to actually like get that close. I've always been like rounded up in hours. Yeah. So so is it more so it's more like 5 a.m. Central time is when it actually drops. Yeah. I mean, that's what it was for me. Like it dropped at 6 a.m. Eastern time. Okay. Well, good to know. Yep. You're up at 6 a.m. Watching it as soon as it debuts. (laughs) Uh, I I wasn't today. I'm going to try to squeeze it in that so I can at least fit it in in case I have a busy day at work. But uh, all right. It's a good show i'm enjoying it all right well i do believe that that is is that it for this week's episode tim i think that's pretty much all our news well i think we need to ask we need to ask ross is there anything else you want to touch on uh not that i can think of okay i think that's it then ross has spoken <laughs> so it shall be written <laughs> so it shall be done <laughs> well it's been a lot of fun ross it's, it's great to have you on the show this week yeah thank you guys for the opportunity it's been great and, it, and it's it's been a lot of fun to connect with you in a whole different way because i mean we've interacted for a couple years now over twitter and so you know you get a lot of those kind of interactions and it's 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 real fun to kind of talk in person so i'm definitely enjoying it yeah and you guys are great you guys y'all i mean y'all put a lot of great content out on patreon and uh love those uh movie reviews and i hope y'all keep it coming yeah 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 we like i said well i'm gonna go ahead and get one scheduled uh it's basically been my fault that we haven't done it yet but we're gonna get that daredevil one scheduled because i'm i'm really looking forward to seeing that director's cut so so that one will be coming right up so guys if you would like to contact us we'd love to hear from you go out and uh, you can reach us on Twitter at Suicide Squadcast. You can reach me on Twitter at Alan Fire. And you can reach me at ScottDC27. Of course, you can email the show at SuicideSquadcast at gmail.com. Uh, Ross, where can people find you if they want to connect with you? Uh, they can find me at Twitter at, at Ross141. Cool. And uh, you can also find us on Vero Facebook. We have a website, SuicideSquadcast.com. And if you could also, if you'd like to help support the network, you can go to Patreon.com slash Media. Well, Ross, I want to thank you again for all of your your loyal listening your itunes reviews your patronage i mean dude you're like og you're like og fan at this point and it's <laughs> it's fantastic thank you so much for coming on the show tonight it was great having you thank you guys all right well that's cool so uh i guess that's it we're gonna go ahead and close this one out and to all the listeners we'd like to tell you please go out and keep reading some dc bye guys So Ross, this is the golden moment here. This is where you have a chance to help help us decide who we are going to blow up. Do you have was it, did anything jump out at you from the the show tonight? Uh, well, well, how about I mean, 
How about Brent and Ray? Oh, Brent and Ray. Yeah. I mean, you know, are they still around or have we blown them up enough that they're gone? They have not been blown up enough. Uh, but I mean, really, but Tim, what's the reason? Why are we blowing them up? Why not? Oh, my God, Scott. We do, do we need a reason to blow those guys up? No, we do not need a reason. Good point. What do you think, Ross? Should we, should we do it? Should we pull the plug on those guys? Absolutely. Countdown. All right, looks like, let me get this a little bit out of the way. I feel like I'm missing something here. Let me do a couple checks. I just, okay. we've had some bad nights, Ross, where we record a whole show and then realize the recording's not good. So, so you got to redo the whole thing? Um, yep. we, we've done it before. Sometimes. We, we've had other times where we try to, you know, try to make it work. We had one where, like, there was no chance of re-recording. And I did I did this one thing where I said, well, I'll just re, my, it was the one time my audio was bad. And um, so I'm like, well, I'll just re-record what I said because Scott wasn't available to record so i'm like well i'll listen to what i said and i'll just kind of like repeat it and it was so much more difficult than i thought it was going to be <laughs> yeah like you try to like do like a new recording listening to his recording yeah i was i would listen to him but the thing is i would see like at so this was like early on when she, when i didn't know what i was doing when it came to producing and uh so like you mean you know what you're doing now i was uh, i'm just ignoring Damn. you i'm just ignoring you <laughs> Hey, it took you how many years for you to produce your first thing, Scott? How, how many years was it again? It, it didn't take me three years to produce. It took me three. It took me three years. So I finally went, oh, I feel like I want to do that. And then I was able to produce a three-hour episode my first time. So you know what? Yeah. Screw you. Yeah, and who walked you through it, bitch? <laughs> you, you didn't walk me through the three hours. I did that by myself. No, you but I told you how, how to, I walked you through how to produce it. All right, enough of that. Enough of this nonsense. Let's just lead into a runtime. Like, you know, supposedly it looks like it's about two hours, 20 minutes, and we'll just talk about it. Well, that's what I did until you stopped me. Oh, for so. God's sakes. Because we were sitting there trying to figure out what to talk about. Oh, God. I need to get a new host. God. <laughs> <laughs> See what I have to put up with, Ross, every uh, week. It's horrible. It's horrible. All right. Let's go.